The theme for the evening talk is working with experience. In the uh, flow and course of the days, the uh, range and type of experiences which arise can and do, of course, vary quite considerably from uh, one person uh, to the next. And the experiences can be both uh, pleasant, unpleasant, and uh, somewhere in between. And sometimes in the areas and fields of the uh, pleasant uh, experience, there's a certain kind of uh, comfort which can accompany it, and one is kind of quietly and perhaps easily flowing and going through the day. And we don't notice when that's occurring along those lines that there can be a certain complacency in being in that kind of relative uh, comfort zone and not realizing that in moving from sitting, walking, standing, eating, listening, etc., there's a kind of level which is taking place which is fairly uniform, going from one posture to the next, one moment uh, to, to the next. And consciousness is kind of quietened by that condition. The general perception that, and a thought may arise with regard to oneself in those times that it's okay, it's nice, but really nothing is happening. And for others, in the movement through that field of uh, pleasantness, it can be at any time that there is a severe disturbance to that experience and one's mind is shaken up and one begins to latch upon something which we have been talking about over the days together and in that latching upon something tension comes out of mind and body and there is also the relationship to what's occurring so when our experience is flowing along, it breaks, there's some reactivity which is coming, there is some tension uh, which is uh, coming, it generates this agitation within ourselves. With the agitation that, go, that goes on, we want to follow as well and clearly as, as we can, what do we typically do? when we feel agitated. What do we typically do? And so there's the agitation and the outflows from it. And the thinking can be as it has always been. The means for getting over it can be all too uh, uh, typical. And so sometimes it runs into doubt into forms of escape, trying to see someone to solve it for us, thinking that we should be able to handle this all by ourselves, 
or whatever. So when there's something impactful going on, it will enliven other typical patterns that we have and we want to be noticing and aware not only of the agitation but what typically goes along with it what is typical and if we recognize what is typical is unsatisfactory then change in other ways and expressions will be necessary and sometimes to go against the whole uniform uh, way of relating. To give you a small example, um, uh, yesterday uh, uh, evening, uh, as I do on my uh, visits here, uh, went to the Cambridge Insight Meditation Centre in uh, Cambridge, um, Massachusetts to give the evening talk there and while after the talk we had some uh, question and answer period, some uh, inquiry and one of the people there said that she felt all day um, very angry and upon being asked uh, why, she said that she engaged in a task in her uh, work she expected that the person that she worked with would want her to continue in it and he had changed his mind and said no, she couldn't think of a reason why he should say no to her assistance, her cooperation or whatever. She felt disappointed, she felt hurt and the outcome of that feeling very angry uh, with him considering all the time, energy and attention she had given to the previous project they had worked on, etc. So there's memory arising. Oh, we had worked on this before. Then from the memory there was satisfaction in what was done. From the satisfaction in what was done there was an expectation of renewal and continuity. The renewal and continuity wasn't forthcoming. This affected her uh, feeling inside. She felt agitated about it. She felt uh, angry. The anger was being uh, carried around and being uh, directed uh, at him. So there's an impact going along, impact process there effect and end result is feeling angry with angry towards. So we explored, we touched, we uh, looked at this for a few minutes that we uh, had together and in that I asked her what she was going to do about it. And usual kind of responses that people often make in these matters of accepting, of not judging, you know, the typical Buddhist solution to everything. <laughs> and, and sometimes one has to look completely around the other way. And so my suggestion in looking completely around the uh, other way 
I said to her, why not give him a gift? Totally opposite to what all the mind is doing. And she said, well, I feel it could be manipulative through, in the face of uh, all of this. And I said, well, you've got between now and tomorrow to see through the manipulation and then give him a gift. And then I up. <laughs> and I said, and then, of course, we, we want to know what, you get, what gift now you're going to give him. So, so there's movement which is going on, sequence is going on, typical way of looking at a sit, uh, situation, and then, uh, as it were, actually looking and asking ourselves, could I actually go completely in an unfamiliar way? Looking at it in a way which I've never before ever considered in my life. We may in the wish to, as it were, arrest the mind to allow something quite unusual from within to flower, we may find ourselves in that tension, in that difficulty, in that lack of acceptance, in agitation, um, unable to come up with an awareness or a flash of insight or an inspiration which totally goes against the familiarity of the mind. But maybe in the tension and in the in the agitation and in and in some willingness just to stop and say I don't know what to do with this but this certainly isn't the answer. This certainly can't go anywhere. I've been along this road so many times before and in the conviction and the determination to say I don't know what to do with this and not looking for some um, uh, smooth operators like ourselves to, to give out a, a, a few pacifying solutions, well, watch your breath for a little bit longer, or, <laughs> or um, send a bit of meta, or whatever it, it might be, but actually firming the mind up and saying, I don't know what to do with this. and repeating that to oneself and bringing some uh, conviction to it. And maybe, maybe it will and can generate just a little bit of space. And we only want just enough to see if something can come out of that not knowing. We, 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 we've, we've made for our, uh, ourselves a... a, a in a way, a kind of error of judgment and uh, perception and understanding in these things when something is tense and agitated and reactionary inside and, and, and feeling irritable and hostile and negative, etc. That we all too quickly want some information. We want something to do in order to diffuse what we are doing with our mind, to bring in something else to help d diminish that which we don't like. And of course that resource and tool can obviously can be useful and can be beneficial. But sometimes we look at ourselves and we say, I keep on doing that. 
I'm constantly looking to the books. I'm constantly looking to the methods and techniques, or looking to instructions, or looking for guidance, or looking for wise advice, or looking for a solution in some uh, way or other. And maybe we have to say to ourselves that much more often, here it is, this is what's going on, pleasant, unwelcome, unwanted as it is, I don't know what to do with it, and all I can say of myself is simply that I just don't know. And keep that steadfast. Keep that clear not knowing there and just live with it. Live with it. For whatever that, whatever burning issue might be, whatever it is, will change. Things will be different. Life will go on. Or one's life won't go on. <laughs> but change will change, will change, will change. And the fretting, and all that goes along with it, and the kind of attempt in this problem-solving mind, where we keep thinking, problem-solving, problem-solving, better improvement, problem-solving, problem-solving, going on. Culture's obs obsessed with it. Look at Bill Gates. And turning the attention, saying, I don't know. I'm not going to look for problem-solving devices. Hanging and stay steady with full, clear, unashamedly not knowing. In uh, attending to meditations, attending to mind and attending to uh, body and uh, finding a space which is opening and insightful to uh, circumstances. There are, of course, as well, the, uh, the field of the beneficial experiences which uh, arise. And in the association and uh, contact with uh, uh, beneficial experiences, and Shada was touching again on this uh, uh, yesterday uh, e evening, Two or three factors in here which deserve an, um, noticing and attention. And one, in the tradition, rather wisely, the uh, Buddha has spoken of uh, seven uh, factors of uh, enlightenment. And it's uh, a way and a skillful means for uh, us to check in with ourselves. How is our relationship with each and every one of, of these. And the first one, of course, is with regard to awareness itself, to, to mindfulness. And those periods where we're just going along through the day, of course, and that can well be, and uh, kind of just general um, 
mindfulness, a general consciousness from one situation to the next. But with that, to safeguard against any uh, complacency that can occur with that, it's that bringing, as has been mentioned before, the fullness of attention as much as one can muster and draw out of one's cellular life to clearness to feeling, to sensing, to know, knowing clearness, to being extremely clear. And that might just be for one or two moments or minutes or whatever in the course of a sitting or, or a walking as if it was the last minute, as if there was nowhere else to go, as if nothing whatsoever could come out of it and therefore it would have to make the clearness itself fulfilling unto itself without any promises nor additions nor extra benefit in some future time it would be it without anything else and we may well need so that we're not just going kind of mindfully through the day to generate those moments and times where that clearness and firmness and not a, a, a single um, sinew or cell of one's body in that time um, intentionally moves. There's the old um, um, monks of the tradition um, have said many times for many, many, genera many generations when the little finger just moves for a moment it disturbs the world of 10,000 things one little movement affects everything everywhere and sometimes in our utter stillness and in our presence and in our, trans in our transparency of our whole being there's a clear seeing and it would be a pity in such a privileged opportunity as we have here to kind of go mindfully through the day and misunderstand going mindfully through the day for the great value of one single extremely clear moment in which there's not a thought taking place, not an involvement with anything of the self taking place, no looking for anything, no reaching out for anything, no expectation of anything. Our whole existence, as it were, has come to one complete halt in the moment and nothing is going to come out of it because it, this is it. And that, as I say, can uh, occur and happen for us in uh, different times and different um, moments uh, dur during, during the day. And one may say the thought may arise immediately, during the time, immediately afterwards or, or whatever. I can't see the point. I can't just see what, what, what... Why should I just have one single clear moment what, 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 what am I going to get out of it what good is it going to do me or, or, 
or do the world. And so sometimes the thought arises simply because it doesn't know how to relate to that kind of expansive and firm and decisive awareness. That it could make a difference to our life in ways in which all are trying to organize it and have it straight and have it okay and have it orderly and have it as we would wish and all the wishes that go along with, with, with that that the wishing may be no substitute for that kind of presence and therefore making possible uh, uh, a glimpse of something which just being quietly mindful through the day may not give us the glimpse of in the uh, flow and uh, rhythm rhythm of the of the day questions arise too some of you from the small groups and uh, uh, one-to-ones in terms of uh, uh, insight into uh, all of these uh, things. And it can be that we don't always know in the moment, in the occurrence, what actually is insight, what actually is arising. And in the seven factors of enlightenment, the uh, second one is uh, inquiry, and uh, recollection, investigation there. And if in the flow of our day in our meditation, whether one's uh, first time on a retreat or one is well-seasoned and exposed to uh, all of these uh, areas, if it's quietly going along and one in that quietness of it going along one says, well, nothing um, much is uh, happening or whatever, just uh, going through the day, then it might well be quite necessary to generate some uh, focus of interest, to, to draw out of oneself uh, some exploration which really begins to sharpen one's attention up and that obviously can take different expressions and different uh, uh, forms fr- from when in, if it's a matter, matter of, the, of the heart in the, in the sitting what shows the love initial response of the mind will say God knows I've no idea but one asks oneself again, in the sitting, in, in impeccably not doing anything for anyone, self or other, what shows the love? It might be in, in, in uh, taking uh, the uh, walking um, meditation and walk, walking, up, walking up and down and in walking up and down, obviously and outwardly, one is going nowhere. One is just walking up and down, 
and to anybody um, going from Petersham to Barry along that road will think as they have thought for the last 20 years this is a really bizarre lot because they're <laughs> walking up and down and going nowhere and the same uh, disturbing thought also obviously can arise in one's mind But then the teachings have uh, said again being and one of the Dharma teachers we pass on our Dharma teachers in Germany the very title of her book taking it from the, from the text being nobody going nowhere being nobody going nowhere and one might just walk up and down and generate and ask what is the significance of that therefore not just taking it as some kind of um, 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 nice little line about non-self or, or whatever but actually absorbing the significance being nobody and going nowhere and learning to live with it and walk up and down and walk up and down again and again and again and, and again to something starts moving in, inside something begins to show and stand out in, inside and if one does that of course there's going to be risk there's going to be risk that you might get some insight there's going to be risk that you get uh, uh, agitated there's going to be risk that you might start thinking, thinking, thinking about all your roles in life and who you really are and what you really should be doing and, re and really where you're really going in your life. That's the chance. If you invite one thing in any inquiry, one might be, end up faced with precisely the opposite of who am I and where am I going and forgetting that the original question was being nobody and nowhere to go. So, in the movement, walking up and down, or in the sitting, or, or whatever, for some, the process of the meditations, without introducing any reflection or introducing any inquiry, is sufficient unto itself, because one senses it. One senses the importance of keeping faith with meditating, keeping faith with clear awareness, keeping faith with the practices in a focused and dedicated way acknowledging periods of just mindfulness acknowledging periods of the agitations coming and what's typical in those agitations but as I said if it feels kind of little drift, little comfortable rather nice, not extending oneself uh, too much um, always faithfully going for a second and third bowl of food or whatever, <laughs> always leaving it to the last possible minute to walk into the meditation hall and being the first through the exit uh, when the bell goes. And all of that can help to preserve the status quo of the comfortable self. And sometimes we need to say, to hell with this comfortable self, it's sowing the seeds for its opposite. 
because it's only wisdom that gives comfort only wisdom that generates contentment of uh, being so sometimes you say rather than just kind of go nicely and sweetly let me extend if I want to know the immeasurable and really taste the, the sweetness and the loveliness of it then I may have to extend myself a little bit from the finite towards the immeasurable that might include extending the sitting time it might include shortening the sleeping time it might include eating less food and it might include staying up later or whatever it won't be the first in meditators history to have done that and that extension and expand, expanding out and so that sometimes in that expanding out of course, once again there could be risk risk that you hate doing it risk that you feel more, even more agitated than before risk that the tiredness will bring uh, boredom and uh, apathy risk that you feel you're not getting uh, any, anywhere and all the doubts etc that's the risk if you extend but equally important there is also in taking the step and the, and the risk that one does start opening out one does break through there one does have a different sense of things and it might be that the barrier to that is actually much thinner than what one thinks and sometimes just one precious single consolidated moment just helps to show a wider sense helps to have a sense that mind is a lousy reference point for knowing the truth of things because the mind keeps on measuring and therefore not a very good vehicle for knowing this which can't be measured with the areas of uh, insight and uh, understanding <coughs> there can appear to be significant time lapses between one and the other what I mean by that is that in the course of the hours and the days uh, here there are the experiences which are going on some of them, we talked about this earlier in the inquiry, seem to appear to matter more than the others and we think that in that there's certain conviction and we can feel quite assured about it and something which was hardly noticeable, which we barely picked up on, if at all, seems totally irrelevant, utterly inconsequential, and when we were here we didn't give it a moment's thought. And some things we gave a great deal of thought, feeling, experience to, from situations with the body to states of mind and emotions, and something else was just so far on the periphery of consciousness it wasn't at all turning one's attention to even to the point we didn't even notice it whatever but in the very nature of things in the very unfoldment and scheme of things 
what consciousness may determine and thought confirm may not be the truth the actual reality of what proves to be significant and there can be as I say that the passing moment hardly noticed if at all and then days, weeks, months years later it suddenly strikes one of what that was of what had occurred of what the significance uh, was of what the benefit was and that doesn't have to even have as it were come from any experience of ourself it can be what somebody else said passing by in a small group meeting or just something which one um, um, noticed um, for a moment uh, outside so the function of uh, the awareness and the, in and the inquiry and the bringing of the two together that if you and I are, are willing as much as we can to bring awareness to the ordinary and the ev everyday not only does it give us the chance to, s to see and to connect and to be clear about now but it's generating myriad number of conditions for a constant flowering of understanding constantly being touched with existence and if you and I are as transparent as we can be which means the diminishing of ego but if you and I are as transparent as we can be we'll keep reflecting and mirroring life we'll keep feeling the extraordinariness of it the miracle of it the expansiveness of it the, the incomprehensibility of it that's why we keep bringing awareness keep ensuring that there's the wish and the determination to make genuinely clear moments for us and then inner life is a mirror for it mirror for what keeps going on around and there's a, a transparency which is so transparency it kind of takes the birth, death birth, ageing, sickness, death kind of takes that and doesn't make such a, a thing about it all of this looking as we look into ourselves and uh, deeper and, and the taking of risks in some of the ways that I've, I've just been speaking about one important feature and certainly mirrored again in the uh, seven factors of enlightenment is the importance of uh, happiness and joy these qualities uh, of the heart and quite often and perhaps um, if there is any uh, imbalance here uh, it can be an in, in an exaggerated way in which we do speak about and, and very important it is as well of the significance of equanimity meaning that steadfast present between 
the field of pleasure and pain to be steadfast in the face of both meaning not p- constantly pulling oneself into the pursuit of uh, uh, pleasure and having an ownership which goes along with a lot of that and not constantly uh, living in aversion and fighting with pain to find that steadiness between these two extremes these two poles but it would be pity and unfortunate from our own capacity as human beings to lose access to the great place of joy and happiness and sometimes then it's criticism that does uh, uh, come that there can be too serious uh, focus and an element in these kind of uh, teachings and again sometimes when people are coming uh, off the street and perhaps on their first time in arriving a day or two late for a retreat and have never been inside of this situation uh, before and somebody else has urged them to come and they think what was their motive in trying to get me here just obviously the real motive was to get me out of the house for a week or what it, what it, whatever it whatever it might be and the eyes look around and say oh what a grim <laughs> lot they all, all are and obviously it's just a place for people who are utterly antisocial <laughs> and a place uh, suitable for misfits <laughs> and one sometimes looks around and wonders <laughs> <laughs> so all of this is the way the eyes um, interpret the, uh, the uh, perceptions and in that interpretation both oneself and others the uh, generalizations can get made but just that interpretation may not reflect with accuracy the uh, inner experience of people and a number of people in these uh, situations do experience great love of the situation and that brings a great joy and uh, happiness and there's not a single thought in running in the mind from one day of the, the next to want to be anywhere else to want to be doing anything else and one knows the resource of the place uh, the sanctuary of the, uh, the situation the uh, blessing of the, uh, of the occasion and uh, happiness uh, flows in, in the heart with or without knee pains with or without back pains and therefore it is a factor of an enlightened life is showing itself the happiness and joy of just being in this world and being going nowhere and being nobody but others to a great love of the Dharma very dedicated to the practice and to the teachings will look at themselves and say yes I realize the importance of equanimity realize the importance of being clear of generating time for some 
deeper inquiry inwardly and outwardly but actually the joy and the happiness isn't just doesn't flow it doesn't flow easily it doesn't flow uh, freely in that respect and there is the contentment of being that can take place and that's its own quiet and sublime joy of course it is but for some we need to give the heart a little bit more opportunity to flow the traditional way that that's been endorsed and encouraged is by reflections on the triple gem on what the Buddha said the three gems of existence awakening uh, the Dharma, the teachings and uh, the Sangha the men and women of practice of past, present and future and there's something beneficial in those kind of recollections of how much dedication and love and commitment for generations of people on this earth doing exactly as we are doing as the living generation and I want to feel happiness of just participating or the recollection of, of uh, a joyful communication with another or uh, the lovely things of the nature which are there all of that can just help to nourish and bring that joyfulness and happiness into the heart and all of that is belongs and is body to this whole body of, of teachings and it would be a, a pity really if some of those factors of awakening were being and enlightenment were being nourished but others were being neglected and so some people are very strong on mindfulness no question and sometimes we hear the first one of being mindful, being aware paying attention moment to moment and a very strong recollection and uh, inquiry or whatever but may be undernourished and may be neglecting the joy of the practice the, the contentment of it the, uh, the energy of it or maybe neglecting the equanimity or whatever it might be so from the standpoint of practice and the standpoint of our commitment to it we need just to attend to ourselves in such a way say well in those areas of those factors of uh, enlightenment am I neglecting am I putting too much on one or two of them at the expense of the others the teachings never encourage that it's a very wide broad body of teachings and it would be a terrible pity when as is the danger of happening of it being reduced down to being a mindful human being as some kind of demonstration of what the teachings are teachings are about liberation they're about awakening every factor of the whole being for that liberation and, in, and enlightenment so all of that is included and very much embraced in the processes of what we are doing here and in the climate of sitting and walking we don't get complacent, we don't drift we don't just feel agitated and complaining to ourselves and about what's uh, uh, around us we see the agitation we see the relationship to it and we, we dig deep 
And if that digging deep means saying, I don't know, and just staying with that, knowing that the mind doesn't have the answer, and the relationship of reactivity is no answer, and we don't know, right, we don't know. And we'll stay with that and see what comes from it. So if one just takes some of those threads and themes which I have spoken about uh, this, eve this, this evening, practice never gets boring. Never. doesn't get dull. doesn't generate apathy. doesn't generate uh, a drift. And one sees, my goodness, so much challenge to existence. So much challenge to the whole, whole being there. And those factors of enlightenment, those, the self and the I and the my, which we have spoken about, all of it, tremendous grist for the mill. And surely the application and the exploration of all of that, what greater respect can a human being pay to herself or pay to himself than to explore the full awakening of one's whole being. What, what greater act could one do than that? And we, in, even in the most difficult times, let's never forget that. The greatest act of kindness for humanity and for existence is to be so utterly conscious of it as the most significant thing we can do as we live and breathe. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings live with realization. May all beings discover a fulfilled life. So let's have a couple of quiet minutes together, please. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.